Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time now for the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes, yes, welcome into Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan, Action Jackson Burkett with you here on this radio presentation. What a Friday we have for you. Jeremy Rutherford going to be in studio. Kind enough to come in studio, Jackson. He's coming in studio. So awesome. And uh, I've put it out there, and I welcome you to text in with your uh, questions as well. 65780. We have the TMA fan page on Facebook. If you would like to join, come on in. Uh, the water is indeed warm. And uh, and I said, hey, I knew uh, JR is coming in studio. So any questions you may have for him, I want to open it up to the people. Let, the, let me let me let me follow the analogy. See if you can follow, because I know you are a film aficionado. Right. The audience will be Patrick Swayze. Okay. I will be who? I'm, you're caught. Is this a Dirty Dancing reference? No. I will be Whoopi Goldberg. Okay. I haven't seen the film. I, I'm, I'm, you I'm haven't trying. seen Ghost? No, I've never seen Ghost. I thought you. And were you can consider yourself a film aficionado. I know. It's a, How can I invest in GoodOrBad.com? That brilliant <laughs> website idea that you've come up with that that has no monetization strategy for now. <laughs> uh, and and the audience will be Demi Moore. Is that right? No, the audience is Patrick Swayze. I'm Whoopi Goldberg and Jeremy Rutherford. Is Demi Moore? That's correct. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm looking forward. I now have to watch Ghost over the weekend. There you go. And with the snow, it's going to be a good weekend to do it. That's uh, that's what we've got coming up at 10-15, so I'm looking forward to talking it over. I've got a bunch of questions myself, yeah. uh, and you were at the game last night. Another yeah. comeback win. How do you do? Another yeah. comeback win. You were at the game, and uh, you were carded, I hear tell. <laughs> yes. Now, you're kind of like, of course I was carded. I'm 23. But for me to be working with somebody who is getting carded, it kind of it kind of shines a bright light. Right, right. It, it so it it actually felt kind of nice. You know, it's always I think it feels nice because it's like, oh, you think I look real nice and young. Well, it's really irritating when you're like 16, 17, yeah. 18, 19, uh-huh. 20, and then it's kind of like, okay, of course. Yeah. And then if I was carded a couple of years ago, I think it was a height related thing, not sure. necessarily a hey, look <laughs> at this debonair gentleman. <laughs> But uh, they're like, oh, this this person clearly hasn't had puberty yet, so they have to be 12, uh, that uh, that I was carded. But, yeah, if you can get carded in your 30s, you're feeling pretty good about it. Right. But when you're my age and they ask you, it's kind of, you kind of feel like you're big-leaguing them when you get carded because it's like, oh, this kid isn't 21. Then you show them your ID and you're 23, and they're like, oh, 
Look at you. So it's kind of, it feels nice. Yeah, you kind of get to dunk on them a little bit. A little bit, a little bit. So, uh, Jackson, you were there last night. The Blues were down one nothing. It's not like Seattle is operating on the uh, VGK plan of, hey, we get into the league and we go off. They are uh, more expansion uh, ready, uh, and by that I mean doormat than than most uh, than than what you saw with Las Vegas, for example, a few years ago. But the Blues had to come back, and they had to win it. And the atmosphere, you would say, it was it was pumped. People were really excited. It was the first time the Kraken came to town. The return of Vince Dunn, and to win with you know two goals in the third is outstanding. Vince Dunn looked a little emotional as they played the tribute. He, he was he was clapping it up, and it was a long standing go. I mean, they were it was waiting for a face off, and he was he was loving it. So it was great to see that. And it was just great to be, I, I, you know, I went to a couple Cardinal games, but that was more when they had the restricted attendance. But to go in full stadium and feel the energy, especially in the third period there, was really cool. Uh, the uh, I'm big into uniforms. Uh, I, I don't have a great explanation for it. I don't have a great defense for it. <laughs> But I really am into sports teams' uniforms. You're welcome to give your thoughts on a gentleman being really into sports teams' uniforms. Six five seven eight zero, the Air Comfort Service uh, text line. And I got to tell you something. Oftentimes, I feel like expansion teams miss it with their uniforms, yes. but the Kraken have got it figured out. Hit it out of the park. Whereas the Golden Knights, especially for Las Vegas, I feel like that's an absolute disaster. Yeah, it's a it's a clip art looking logo. And the colors are fine, but the way they designed it, I, I personally don't like it a lot, but the Kraken, they nailed it. Yeah, the Kraken have it all figured out. Right, they nailed it. They kind of took from the Mariners color scheme a little bit with the seafoam green and the navy blue. Seafoam green, is that what it's called, or did you just come up with that term? I was looking, it was it was either turquoise, seafoam green, it had a little teal into it, I really couldn't tell, but it, it's a sharp looking uniform. Uh, let, me, let me get a gauge on where you are and where our audience is. Sure. Cardinals on the road, should they be wearing the navy cap or should they be wearing the red cap? I feel almost disgusted that I had to be asked this question. It's the navy road cap well, that's all the day. Right answer. It's that's the exciting. Navy road. And We're it's, it's an honestly a shame times. that they wear red caps on the road. I don't know what happened with that, especially when the organization was on this tear of success with the navy road cap. It looked so sharp, and then now it looks like the late 80s early 90s teams out there right, and it drives me up the yeah. wall yeah. I, I have i have voiced this to bill dewitt the third and i'm sure he was like first off i can't even believe i'm sitting down doing an interview with you number one <laughs> and then secondly you are berating me about the uniforms of this organization that's what that's what that's how you've chosen to use your time wizard boy <laughs> um all right missouri uniforms what's your preference we're going to break off here missouri football by the way uh, so I have a weird thing with football uniforms. I like the pants and the socks and the shoes all to be one color. So I don't like the gold pants. Oh my goodness. I guess you don't like winning. <laughs> well, I'm a Mizzou fan, so it's kind of been my life, but I like, I don't, I like, you know, dark Jersey, white pants or dark Jersey, dark pants. That's how I like Mizzou to be. Or white. I actually like a lot white on dark pants, white Jersey, dark pants. What has been... What have been? What have been? The two biggest wins. Ah, three biggest wins. I'll go three biggest wins in the last 15 years of Missouri football. And I know you're a young gentleman, as we just said. You were carded last night at the Blues game. Right. I feel like any Missouri fan would agree with this. Uh, two of them for certain, and I think the other one we would get an agreement on. Kansas in 07. 
That's correct. Uh, we'll go with Texas A&M. In... I would agree with that. Yeah, was that 13 or 14? That was 13. 13. Johnny Football was in town, sent Missouri to the uh, SEC championship game. And then the other one would be Oklahoma Oklahoma in 2010. Yeah. And I know for certain they were gold pants in 07 and 2010. Right. Yeah, they... I'm not sure if they were gold pants when I think it was Henry Josie broke off that run to clinch it against A&M in 2013. I think I think they were all black. I think they were all black, too. I think they all were black, all black everything. Black yeah. cards, black cards, all black everything. That's what I believe what yeah. was going on. Right. Point being, if you like winning big football games you wear gold pants right that's that's the lesson that you take from that that and more insight on balloon party every hour <laughs> now monday like, through friday from 10 to 11 they wore gold pants against georgia this year i guess uh let's see uh the cardinals or the uh, or the redbirds but no red jerseys during the season how can you fit with a sea of red and your jersey is powder blue gray or white so this this person texting in would like to see the cardinals wear red jerseys so we're not even talking hats here i'm not i'm not into that it's the batting practice jersey thing and i i just think the cardinals white uniforms are probably are my favorite baseball uniforms and non-biased opinion well i guess it is biased but i'll put that up there with the yankees yeah it the cardinals white uniform is beautiful like i don't think you but should the ever road deviate. uniform looks like the angels and right, the reds red and the phillies, phillies. Yeah. it's just better than that i think the phillies have even gone to a blue cap on the road sometimes they uh they diversify the too. navy road cap not to be confused with a navy cap with the red bill and the new cardinal on the front side of the stl logo that's correct i apologize i should have been more yeah, specific i actually thing. like there's one that they wear at spring training but I, I think they change it here and there at spring training where it's a navy cap with a red stl not with the white lining on the stl and uh, then a red bill yeah i feel like that would be a lovely compromise that's a good compromise yeah I that's like a that sharp look but yeah. i don't know how it look with the rest of the uniform i just loved what they were wearing from i think it was about 95 until 2012 right and then they they go to the nlcs they win the world series and they change it up i just yeah i mean why does it bother me i don't have an answer and why am i like oh missouri's wearing gray today and a, the tiger has a sailor cap on you know and, it, and i'll go oh that's disappointing I, I, why why do i care i don't know uh in the nba now it's a new uniform every night for oh, every yeah. franchise yeah they wear they put I mean, I think every team has at least eight uniforms that they can pull out at any given night, and some of them can mix and match stuff. It's crazy, and they never wear white at home anymore either. Tell the red jersey guy to take a bath with his toaster. That's from Dan in Wentzville, and I think this is a moment where we have the TMA texters making their way into the 101 text line. Uh, all right, we uh, said we were going to take questions from the audience uh, on this uh, radio presentation on Fridays. I have a great one here, but since we have Jeremy Rutherford in, it's going to be all blues for the final 45 minutes of the show. Uh, he'll be in studio. I've got a bunch of them already loaded up. You can text yours in at 65780. Jeremy Rutherford joining us next here on Balloon Party. This is 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Welcome back to Balloon Party 201 ESPN. My name is Tim McKernan on the ones and twos. Action Jackson, he was at the game last night. He's still 
a mess. It's disappointing. <laughs> Come to work. Let's be prepared. Let's clock in early. Let's leave late. Let's do the extra reps. And joining me for the very first time, he has been kind enough to come into studio. Ladies and gentlemen, Jeremy Rutherford. Listen to this crowd. Tim, I just uh, turned my phone off. I didn't want to make a rookie error there. It is awesome to see you. Look, you've been in St. Louis. For, we've both been here. You know, I, I've admired you from afar. The well, it's very kind of you, yeah, sir. Yeah, no, it's uh, listened to the show for years, and uh, you know, I just hoped one day that we could be in the same studio, and here we are. Look at you! What a kind, se- what a kind sentiment. That's not going to align you with many of the people who text <laughs> into this show. Just, just so you know that. But I appreciate it. Well, as you know, uh, I'm a big fan of yours, and actually was trying to hire you years, years ago. We were coming up with some a variety of ideas. So here we are, finally in the same studio. And I can't wait to talk it over with yeah, you. I guess yeah. we'll be doing this on a regular basis. Yeah, no, this is great. Whenever you want to do it. Uh, and here's what I count on you for one thing. Though. What do you got? You know, a lot of times I come in and do these hits and we talk about the blues and it's, you know, I got to talk stats and how the team's doing. I'm counting on you to make it something different. Well, that's that's going to happen. And it's it's basically for flat out lack of knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not necessarily by choice. It's just I don't have a clue. Now, if it had to do with wagering, I could really break it down. The Blues were minus 210 last night against the Kraken, uh, in case any of you were wagering on that. Yeah, I like to ask, and I guess I found this about myself, is it kind of the bigger picture questions. And one of the first things... I was watching the game last night, and I know they're on this tear. They keep coming back and winning games, and I knew you were going to be in studio. And I wanted to ask this question, which might be a terrible question. I don't know. But you, of course, have covered a how – many, how many years have you been covering the Blues? It was 05, 06, so I think there was a lockout in there, so it's like 15, 16. 15 seasons. Yeah. So you saw some rough hockey at the outset. A lot, yeah. And then the turnaround uh, began, got that run at the end of the 09 season, and then things started to get going. But I am curious, now that you have covered a Stanley Cup winner, now we can actually go, okay, well, now we know what it takes to win the Cup. So when we see a Blues team look really good at around this point in the season, we can identify the things that the 2019 team had that maybe the current team, whether it be the team we're talking about now or in future years, might be lacking. Because we know that team that won the Cup had those ingredients. So, as well as the Blues are playing, as great as it's been, what do you see in the 2022 team that reminds you of the 2019 team? And what are some of the things that you see in the 2022 team that they're lacking that the 2019 team had? Yeah, first of all, i got to tell you that that's one thing that I've always admired about you is that memory where you can say in 9 they had that 2-8 and eight stretch you know, in 10 games. And you know, to me, it just kind of blends together. But uh, yeah, when you look at these two teams, and you're right, I do think that's a valid point. You know, once you watch a Stanley Cup run, then years after that, you can say, okay, well, they're missing yeah. this. And it doesn't mean that, you know, that 19 team had – Everything. It just means they were successful, and that's what it takes. And and so uh, with this team, you know, I see the forward depth. I wrote about it yesterday. Uh, you know, one through twelve, one through nine, however you want to look at it. Uh, I think it kind of reminds me of that team when you had Steen, Barbashev, Sunquist on that fourth line. Um, and you know, to answer your question, defensively they're not the same. Clearly, and, that's... And, and that's clear, right? And so when you think about that team, I mean, they were scratching Joel Edmondson towards the end. I mean, you had. You had Bolmeister and Pareko playing so well, and, and Petrangelo, and you know Edmondson was in there. You had Vince Dunn as a third pair guy, who I thought you know for that run was really good. So anyway, that's the thing that I look at is the uh, the defense. Although it plays well at times this year, 
it, it's not to that level. When you're covering a team, can you get a sense for when it's coming together? And also it cuts both ways if it's falling apart or if it's just not gelling. And I'll ask specifically about 2019. And then if you could compare and contrast to other teams that you've that you've covered. Could you can you sense that when you're when you're around an, an organization? Yeah, you can. Um, I, I think what you have to be careful of as a reporter is, you know, it's a long season and you have to give it time to breathe and let developments to happen, you know, like a Jordan Biddington coming up and, and playing well. Nobody sees it, but it can happen. You know, same thing like this year with defense. Who would have ever thought that Mikula would be playing up in the top pair with Colton Pareko? But he has been, and he's playing well. And there are other things that transpire over the course of the year. But to me, I always try to, when I'm analyzing that, Tim, step back and say, okay, well, that's great, but is that going to be enough to go two or three rounds four rounds mm-hmm. in the playoffs. And I think some of these questions, you can say no. So I, I think they have a really good team. I think they should be in that group of contenders. I, th- I think they should be mentioned with that. Uh, but I think there are still some issues. The question that I've seen the most here in the text line and that uh, I've already seen on where I posted the thread that you were going to be in uh, is the one that I would imagine you'll be writing about up until the actual date, and that is what you think the Blues will do with regards to the trade deadline, specifically uh, with an acquisition for a defenseman. Is that something that you feel like is inevitable, or are they kind of teetering on the brink on that? I, if you had to lean one way or the other, I think they'll make a move. You know, I think that when Doug Armstrong, past couple years, signs these guys to these long-term contracts and to get them in at the low AAV, mm-hmm. you know, keep the band together, keep as many really good players as you can, you know, there's a downside to that. And that's four, five, six years down the road when some of these guys, you know, are in the later stages of, the, of those contracts. So you need to win now. And I think they have the team that can win now. So if there's a defenseman out there that can help you out and there's been two or three, you know, mentioned, you know, I think you have to make that deal. Does it mean you give up two first rounders and, you know, Scott Pernovich and so on and so forth? You know, probably not. But, you know, one thing you can say about Doug Armstrong, many of his uh, things that he does well is makes trades and yeah. he knows when to do it. I mean, you can look at that trade list, that track record, and it's just terrific. So I think he'll end up doing something because he realizes – this is a team that could win with a little boost on that back end. All right, let me go through some of these questions. You're going to be kind enough to stick around for uh, an additional segment here uh, on Balloon Party. Jeremy Rutherford in studio taking your questions. You can text them in as well at 65780. This one coming from uh, our fan page on Facebook. Uh, Questions regarding Colton Pareko. Can JR do a deep dive into Pareko's play? Has he been better than he looks or is he just never going to be a prong type because he's just so nice seems like he has a lot of skill and there was so much hype when he first came up but he hasn't become the star defenseman like many of us thought he would become thanks and stay cute what a nice sentiment <laughs> talking to me it's from Craig you, CP. Huh? I, I think it's got to be you gotta be. I've, I've, we're, we're both experiencing hideous male pattern baldness <laughs> oh big time mine went a lot or sooner <laughs> jackson's on the jackson's just in the top of the first inning with his oh, so yeah, we'll, yeah, yeah. we'll do some therapy with oh, him at the end down. of the show yeah, tim speaking of that like a couple weeks ago i had somebody say to me i took my hat off and they said why wouldn't you leave your hair in the, in the wintertime? It's cold. Why did yes. you get it shaved? The, the three wisps that yeah. would grow. Get it shaved. I don't do this on purpose. God's been doing yeah. this since this I was 22. This wasn't a choice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I chose to be 5'1". <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, with regard to Colton Pareko there, Tim, you know, it, it's tough because I see a ton of talent. You know, I talked to Larry Robinson, who was with the Blues for a few years, uh, Hall of Fame defenseman, of course. And uh, he said, you know, I see it. It's there. He has all the tools. 
it's just a matter of him taking it and going to that next level. So, you know, he had the back injury last year. He comes back this year, Tim, and, and looks pretty good at the start of the season, playing 25, 26 minutes. But let's step back. The big picture here. Is he ever going to be pronger? No way, no how. Right. Like, there, first of all, there aren't going to be many Chris Prongers. I mean, his numbers going up in the rafters on Monday, right? And I remember that first or second season with Colton Preco. A lot of people criticized him for not being physical enough and playing that style. And I bumped into Chris Pronger and I said, "What do you think?" And he said, "You can't change a person. Like you, you just can't do it. That's who they are. Let them." do what they do well and become the player they're going to be with with what they do well. You know, Larry Robinson said it. Could he be a better player if he were a little more physical? Yeah. You know, a lot of people, I wrote a story about Mikola recently, and, and people said, gosh, I wish, you know, inside of Colton Pareko's body was the Mikola passion physicality. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he's not going to be that, but I still think he can be a successful defenseman for this team with with his attributes jeremy rutherford in studio with us taking your questions got a billion of them we'll try to get to as many as possible here uh can you ask jr what the holdup is on re-signing chief did both sides decide to wait for the end of the season uh what is uh, your opinion on the status of those talks jr yeah the blues want to get it done and uh, i'm positive that, that craig Bruby wants to get it done too but you know think about this you know, and with players, it's pretty well set. This guy makes this, you know, if you put up these kind of numbers, you you can get this kind of paycheck. You know, with coaches, it's a little bit different. You see a Mike Babcock go to Toronto and get $8 million a year. You see a Joel Quinville get paid. Well, when Craig Bruby, even when he win the Stanley Cup, you know, he comes back on a uh, three-year deal, and, you know, it, it's nothing that broke the bank. You know, he got paid, and they respected the job that he did, and they paid him. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's not a 6 or $7 million contract. Now, you know, even though they haven't had the playoff success, look what he's been able to do, I think, with this roster the past couple of years. So, to me, I think it's a situation currently where they're, they're probably talking. Both sides probably want to get it done. But it's just going to take some time, and I think we sit back and see it and say it's so obvious. Get it done. I just think the the issue here is it's just not that easy. They got to mm -hmm. find the right happy medium in terms of how to financially compensate. Following up on the on the second part of that question, do you think it's it is a case where they'd like to go? Okay, let's just let's just get through the season, or is it something that is ongoing? In your opinion, I wondered that too, and I think that the answer to that question is if they could find that number and that term and. And that happy medium tomorrow, they would do it tomorrow. Okay. It's, just, it's just a matter of when uh, when they come together. Jeremy Rutherford taking your questions here. It's the Friday edition of Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. He is going to stick around for another segment. Text him in at 65780, and you are welcome to leave a mic drop. As Jackson, I understand we have some. Yes. We have some. Yes. Balloon Party is now on the 101 ESPN app, and you can leave your mic drops for us. Those are presented by Rhino Shield. This Clarkson Jewelers time check. It is 1029 in St. Louis. We will take a commercial break and come back with more Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to Balloon Party 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan with you here on the radio presentation. Action Jackson coming off of what I thought was an A+. -plus Sports Center update. They really, uh, JR, get in his head. Uh, it's it's kind of like me with the throw from second base to first base. Stuffer, suffered from Steve <laughs> Sachs disease. 
And I know when it, the time rolls around at 10.30, Jackson gets a little tight. <laughs> but I thought it was A+. plus. Yeah, I thought my inflection was better on that one. You're, so. Are you working on your inflection? Is that what you're doing? That's right. And I didn't have any the copy. The Blues won last night, 2-1 <laughs> to one over the Kraken. They will take on the Maple Leafs tomorrow night. Coming I'm up, Jackson Burkett. Coming up next on NPR. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is a very soft, soft, dulcet yeah. tone. Uh, from the 618, you got a compliment here. It says, and boom goes the dynamite. So you know that's wow. when somebody yeah. really... I don't know. I don't have a very dynamic voice, so it just comes kind of across like uh, like NPR, like I'm in the room next to you, <laughs> which a, I think is a nice feature. It's a soft, soft sound from Jackson. Jeremy Rutherford uh, in studio here with us on Balloon Party and uh, loving the opportunity to ask questions of uh, JR. You know, I, I, I'll go back to the Blues questions momentarily. Uh, last Friday, actually, uh, we do the questions from the audience that were, were for me, and I talked about The Athletic. The Athletic, where you write, and have been writing for how many years now? How many years uh, about four plus four plus um being sold to the times the new york times and anytime that happens understandably people can be really excited about it people can be really concerned about it i don't know the ins and outs and anything i would be saying would be speculative but i love what the athletic has done for sports writing and one of the things i think that they have done and when I was reading the story on the transaction, and I thought it was 100% accurate from the moment that you went there, JR, is they recognized that there was a demand for hockey coverage, specifically in the United States, but certainly just in general, and nobody was really catering to that. So it was a great economic observation with regards to sports journalism. There is a demand, there is not a supply, and we are going to cater to that demand, and you get the best hockey coverage you're going to find anywhere on The Athletic. Yeah, Tim, and I don't have any numbers in front of me, but just kind of what I've been told uh, through the company is is exactly what you're saying. And the hockey community was underserved, and so they felt like that's where they could really capitalize. And so, obviously, you know, people follow the athletic for the NFL and NBA and Major League Baseball coverage, but uh, I think that uh, they've taken hockey to a whole nother level. And, you know, when I'm talking to executives, players around the league, people around the league, you know, a lot of people appreciate how it's gone up a notch. You know, you try to do the deep dives and human interest stories at the athletic. And, and so I think they've really done a good thing by serving those people. It's so good, though. I mean, it's it's at another level. It's it's coverage that you obviously wouldn't be able to do if you were limited to being stuck in a spot where you only have so much space. I mean, that has to be freeing as well. And one of the things I know that, that's an issue, and this isn't a criticism of the industry, it is the nature of the industry, is the time that it would take to put in the proverbial gamer, recapping last night's game and all the coverage that goes into that, when in reality, by the time many people in 2022 wake up, they've either watched the game or they've con- consumed some other form of content on social media, and what you have written about last night's two-to-one game can be dated even if they're reading it at 8 in the morning. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and, you know, people have different thoughts on that. Do you want to read a game story? This is one thing, Tim, that's changed in my 15, 20 years in journalism doing this is – you know, they used to read the game stories for the information that they didn't know or they didn't hear. But now, I mean, you go anywhere, you go to a bar, you go to the casino, you go anywhere, there's a 70-inch TV in front of your face. You see just about every play. If you didn't see it, you got a notification on your phone that says somebody tripped in the corner at 7.02 left you know, yeah. in the first period. And, and so it's there. So what we found is people said, hey, tell us something about the team. Tell us something about the game that maybe we didn't pick up on. And it's a little more difficult in Zoom. Like the article I have up today is, you know, Cairo and Thomas at the podium last night on the Zoom. And, you know, you can't really get too involved with the questions and so on and so forth. But 
you know, yesterday I had a story. How did Doug Armstrong yeah. build this group of forwards? Yeah, you know, the, the balance. Forwards, yeah. yeah, so you spend some time on the phone with Doug Armstrong. So I guess uh, one thing is when you're not covering the day-to-day game action, it allows you, affords you more time to dig a little deeper. Let's talk, I want to talk about Armstrong because I saw your story yesterday on, on the forwards and how he went about building them. I feel like as far as approval rating goes for a general manager in St. Louis sports over the last quarter century, I don't know if too many would have a higher approval rating than Doug Armstrong. Now, I know those fluctuate. Of course, they they correlate to the team's performance on the ice, on the field, on the court, whatever the case might be. But with regards to Armstrong, I feel like there is an appreciation for this there's always a sense he's trying to win. Even if the move doesn't work out, and most of the time they do, but even if they don't, they feel like the organization and Armstrong is trying to make the team better. I feel like it'd be Armstrong and Walt Jockety. Those would be my two if I had to go over the last 25 years. What's your perspective on the Blues GM? Yeah, from the Blues perspective and Doug Armstrong, you know, every tweet I get, every email I get, every mailbag question I get, it says, in Army we trust somewhere. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's what it says. And, you know, it should. You look at that track record, 11 seasons. You know, I think I had the note in the story yesterday. uh, They're like fifth best in, in and points percentage and right there in, in victories since he took over the helm in, in 2010. You know, we, we talk about the trades that he's made over the years. Yeah, you have to win a Stanley Cup. And some people driving around might be saying one Stanley Cup in 11 seasons, not enough. Look, it's hard to win in the NHL. A lot of teams, you know, can go a lot longer than that without winning the Stanley Cup. It has to come together. But I think uh, by and large what he's done, and, and you see he's recognized on the international level, uh, as the GM of Team Canada before the they pulled out of the Olympics. Uh, you know, I think that he's done a phenomenal job here in St. Louis, made some very tough decisions. Yeah. But, but as yeah. he said, yeah. Tim, in the article yesterday, he learned from Bob Ganey and Bob Clark, it's all about the team. Team comes first, individual second. And he is active. He's not passive. That's the thing that I like. That's a great point. Uh, he is active. I mean, the Petrangelo thing would be a perfect example. You want us to wait around? Eh, we're not going to wait around. Yeah. Here's the deal. All right, we're going to make our move. Uh, all right, this one I'm anxious to hear your response to. Uh, even leaving out the ongoing trade request, has the relationship between Tarasenko and the Blues been mended at all since the start of the season with the on-ice success that both Tarasenko and the team has had? Yeah, good question. So, you know, when you say mended, like I don't think they're going out to dinner, but I don't think there's a ton of animosity either from what I gather. Uh, And it's not something you check on every day, but, you know, month to month. The trade request still stands, but it's on the back burner. I think both sides realize that it's not going to happen. And when I say that, anything can happen at any time. But I, I think that Vladimir Tarasenko, as we see with the point production and, and how he's playing mm-hmm. and, and looks good, Tim, they can't afford to trade him. Like, who are you going to trade him for who's going to come in and help you the way that Vladimir Tarasenko is helping you? So, you know, does he get traded before the deadline? Like I said, possible. I think it's more a situation where it could take place in the off season if Vladimir Tarasenko still wishes to be traded. And more importantly, Doug Armstrong and the Blues can find the right situation that, that helps the team. So, you know, look, I've been saying this for months. I thought he played his last game as a blue last year. You know, trade request happens. He really wanted to go. Doug Armstrong, stroke a genius, keeps him. Tarasenko looks great, Tim. And uh, it's played out, worked out best for the Blues. Uh, and that leads us into the All-Star situation. Um, is that something that you're going, oh, wow, huh, 
surprising, or have you seen enough of these over your career to go, eh, I, I get it, it's frustrating, but I've seen so many snubs over the years that I don't know if I necessarily am that alarmed. Yeah, just a little ho-hum about it. You know, he's got the numbers. Certainly, if he would have got named the All-Star team yesterday, he'd say, yeah, it makes sense. But, you know, you look at this team, and and you got the McKinnons on there, DeBrincat from Chicago, uh, Clayton Collier. The thing is, and people have been talking about it since last night when the announcement came out, is you have to have one player from each team, and it makes it difficult. There just aren't enough spots to put, you know, two really good players from the same team. I don't think anybody's arguing with what uh, Jordan Kyer was doing. So, you know, I, I think that uh, could he have made it? Yeah, but uh, a lot of good players on that team. Specific to Kyrou, I remember watching his first game, and I recall talking about it on our show, going, he, he stands out. He stands out. You can just tell there's just something there. And this is right away. I mean, this is early on. When you were watching him early on, I'm not even talking about in games, could you tell that there was there was something there? Yeah, for sure. In terms of uh, the speed element, speed just takes off like lightning. This is coming from somebody who, when I run a 40-yard dash, they time me with like a, a clock, you know, a, a sun, you know, like <laughs> calendar. Yeah, oh, nice. calendar. A sundial. Yeah. <laughs> Sundial's crazy. So, so yeah, and, and that's one thing the Blues really haven't had for years and years is, is somebody who could uh, tear it up like that. And um, you, you can't necessarily trade for those guys. You have to draft them and groom them and, and you know, cross your fingers. And so Jordan Kyrou had that, but Tim, early on, what I saw was a player that wasn't aware defensively, even in the offensive zone. If he didn't have the puck and he wasn't darting to the net, he wasn't doing a lot to help you. But give both sides credit. Uh, Kyrou and the Blues went down to the minors, became a dominant player down there. I went to a game in San Antonio one time and it was like he was Superman down there. Is so, that right? Just a head and shoulders yeah. above? Yeah. So he comes back up and he's put it together. The awareness is there. So they've they've been patient with him and, and now his game's there. I mean, it's still got room to grow. Don't get me wrong, but he's definitely, uh, as we can see, at that level. Final thought for you because we won't uh, be talking before Monday night. Chris Pronger yeah. and the Jersey retirement on uh, Monday night. Uh, Pronger, uh, beloved in St. Louis after starting out on the opposite end of the fence with the Shanahan trade, and then, of course, finishing his career elsewhere, and he touched the puck and get booed. Somewhat of a loving boo, as is the case. <laughs> uh, but Pronger used to be one of those guys, any building. I remember being on the road with the team when they were playing the Sharks in the playoffs in 2000 and 2001, and when he would touch the puck then in San Jose, it was just all boos. He was the guy yeah. other teams and their fans love to hate. What stands out to you? with Chris Pronger when you see 44 go up into the rafters on Monday. Yeah, and just to set it up, one of my favorite Chris Pronger stories of all time is I interviewed him for something, and uh, he goes, you know what stunk about coming to St. Louis in that trade? Like, I'd meet uh, all these kids around town, and they're all named Brendan. <laughs> <laughs> so so that was tough for me. He gets traded for Brendan Shanahan, and he, he comes here. and So, yeah, you hear the story, the horror stories, um, you know, button heads with Mike Keenan and kind of what he had to go through. You know, Prong said one time, you know, he goes out to his truck, leaving a game, and uh, guys out there in the parking garage telling him how bad he is. Like some of the things behind the scenes, you, you people just don't know, you know, including us, uh, that he had to go through. So to build himself into that player is phenomenal. You know, to answer your question, what do you remember? I mean, here's a guy who played 30 minutes and played it the hardest way against the top players in the league on the other side. I got a piece coming out Monday at the Athletic. Uh, I touched on it earlier in the week, but. Uh, he played with 47 defensive partners, Tim. And uh, a couple days ago, I had him on the phone. I said, all right, let's play the game. Start naming them. And he goes, you know how many times I was hitting the head? I can't <laughs> so uh, he, I think he got up to about 25, 26, and then I gave him a little help on the last 20 or so. Uh, but uh, 
uh, I, I've spoken with about seven of those defensive partners the past couple of days for that piece that's coming up, and they all said, uh, you know, he made the game so much easier for them. So, um, you know, that air is gone. We're not going to see guys get beaten up in front of the crease anymore. Yeah. But, man, was that fun to watch when he did it. It was something else. I mean, the fact that it was Pronger and McInnes for those years, that was something else. Well, I'm looking forward to reading the story on Monday. Yeah, That'll thanks. be on The Athletic and look forward to your hits here on 101 ESPN. Uh, the Rutherford Report, Jeremy, off to Centene for the Blues Skate. 1130, JR, great to have you in, man. Thank you so much for coming in. So much fun, Timmy. Thank Thanks, you so Jeremy. much. There he is, Jeremy Rutherford with us here with the Rutherford Report. Tim McKernan, Jackson Burkett with you. This is Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Final segment of Balloon Party here on 101 ESPN for the week. BK and Ferrario coming up at the top of the hour, and then the fast lane will drive you home. An afternoon drive. Come on in and enjoy the festivities. Balloon Party, BK and Ferrario, and the fast lane heading into the weekend, the football weekend. What is the game you're looking forward to the most? Jackson, go. Niners, Cowboys. Oh, you didn't even hesitate on that one. Niners, Cowboys. I think that's going to be explosive. This one could wind up being pure garbage, so I'm already uh, putting a disclaimer out there. But I am enamored with the Bengals. I really like the Bengals, but I don't know if this is my video game culture being enamored with the team. Randy Carrick and I were talking about this, and he goes, no, they've got a great offense. I don't know if the defense is there yet in order to do something. But I really am looking forward to watching the Bengals and Raiders. Same. I, I think I think the Bengals' offensive power is so cool. And the Raiders are a team that, like, Everyone seems to count out every week, and then they somehow get W. Yeah, and, and to me, that's a tell. To me, there's an edge there if you're going against the Raiders. By the way, if you're just looking for the action, uh, the Bengals are plus 1,500 to win the Super Bowl. Uh, if you think that uh, Ben Roethlisberger is going to end this thing in a absolute stunning run to win the Super Bowl, you can throw $100 on that and you will win $7,000. They are plus 7000 to win the Super Bowl. Uh, the other Pennsylvania team, Philadelphia, plus 5000 Raiders, plus 5000 I just like the Bengals. I think the Bengals are a team. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I don't, maybe I'm going to listen. I could be completely off the mark on this thing, but I really do. And I just want to watch the Rams lose on Monday night. And considering they're signing people out of retirement, uh, I'm hopeful that that, uh, yeah, that, that that could, in fact, happen. I am intrigued to see what happens with the Steelers and the, the approach that Roethlisberger's taken. Like, oh, nobody expects us to win, so we're just going to go out there and have fun and, and see what happens. And then you go, oh, the Chiefs are dealing with a couple injuries? Is this is this all of a sudden going to set up for something? Bengals minus 5.5, uh, Bills minus 4.5. Forecast on that game, 5 degrees at kickoff. 5 degrees at kickoff in Buffalo. What's the total on it? For the, and the, the total is 44. It's holding steady. That was one of my plays this week. Yeah. So far, we're undefeated on Predictionary here, and I right. want you to track them. Right. Because so I don't want to just be saying things, and then when I get them wrong, run from them. I want you to track them. Yeah. We were right on, uh, you were right on Georgia, Alabama, first quarter. Right. Under. I was right on Georgia minus three and uh, the under for the entire game. Yep. And then my other play to date is that spring training won't start on time, which yep. strikes me as a very obvious bet. It would be like minus 400. And you have Webb Simpson, uh, was it top 17th 20? or better. 17th, 17th or, or better. better. In the and he is in the mix uh, for that after, I think he was two or three under 
yesterday. Uh, Buccaneers minus eight against the Eagles. That Cowboys 49ers number started off much higher, and it's now Cowboys minus three. Did you ever find out what, why that number dropped so precipitously? You know, I talked to producer Joe about that, and he, oh, said, you. he said that it never opened up at eight and a half. He said it's, it opened up at three and a half and dropped a half point, but I said we talked about it on the show. And, and it was eight and a half. I don't know what happened. Maybe we, maybe the, the book was off at the time. We would have had a nice little edge there. The Chiefs number is down to 12 and a half. Uh, 12 and a half. I thought that was high. I thought it was up over two I touchdowns. Think it was, I think it was, I think it was at 12. Maybe it was at 13 and a half, but I, th- I still think the Chiefs covered that. But then again, like... I certainly would think so, too. It seems almost... But I, like it's a, not something I'm making an official play on. That's stinks. 12 and a half. And then the Rams and Cardinals have held steady. Rams minus four. I love this weekend. Yeah. Oh, this is... This, this is like up there with one of the best sports weekends. I love this weekend. And it looks like the forecast in St. Louis is for snow. And so you can settle in. You can enjoy your NFL. You can enjoy your Blues and Leafs. I guess you'll be watching Missouri basketball. I will be the first one to acknowledge. I won't be, but you can tell me what happens. I'll be watching football. You will be watching. Oh, you'll be watching. You're not going to even endure. Uh, it's, 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 It's too tough. It's like getting punched once again you you get punched once it hurts you don't want to go do it again i just like the, i might throw a little i might throw a little taste on the Bengals to win at plus 1500 just for the sake of it there's there's something going on there there's something that i just don't know if the defense can right that's the thing can is, hold up on that but the operation offense, i mean the offense is so dynamic that you almost have to uh all right great to have jeremy rutherford in really enjoyed that conversation he's just such a good guy right. i'm so happy for his success and uh it's wonderful to be a teammate of his here at 101 espn great conversation uh, as the blues continue to have success you can read more in the athletic and uh, hear jeremy rutherford throughout the week here on 101 espn he is off to the blue skate that's where you will see and hear bk and ferrario coming up at 11 o'clock time for us to shut it down for the week here on balloon party for Action Jackson Burkett, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.